0: Big Ten Backers Podcast. This is your podcast for Big Ten football or anything college football related. From Jim Harbaugh's shirtless escapades to Brett Bielema's hog-sized waistline with Ryan Day's beard dye and anything else in between. Big Ten Backers has the headlines from around the college football landscape. Oh, hey there,
1: Big Ten Backers. This is your host, AJ, with Buckeye Steve. We just call him Dop. Big 10 Roundup.
0: Grab a beer. We'll put college football.
1: In your year, let's break down the Big Ten. Illinois played Kansas. Kansas wins, 34 to 23. The Jayhawks jumped on the Fighting Illini quick. Jalen Daniels was spectacular in his return. This game was over before it began, just like those chances you getting that redhead's number at the bar last night. You're ugly. This game was ugly. Brett Billick is fat, and this season already looks wrecked for Illinois. Kansas, though, they look to be in midseason form, ready to challenge for the Big 12 championship. Jalen Daniels got moves you ain't seen since Disco hit the clubs in the '70s.
0: Shit, man, you know. I don't like redheads. I like my women like I like my coffee hot and mocha. But man, getting back to Kansas, Illinois, I should have stuck with my gut, man. I don't know why I didn't. I had Kansas win in the yeah. Big 12. Jalon had that swagger, man. 21 of 29 for 277 yards. That's a 72.4 completion percentage. Two touchdowns, one pick. Well, that's not gaudy numbers. I bet he earned more action than Mel Tucker. Illinois just can't start a game, man. I-, I-, I think they're a good team, but they just can't afford to start out so slowly. They're not that good of a team that- Can just turn it on and be like, yo, I'm going to win their game like they did against Toledo. They're outscored in the first half, 40 to 14 in two games this season. Burt may be fat, but at least he knows how to finish. Maybe that's why he's got a hot wife.
1: Yeah, I definitely said they were going to get snake bit from playing slow and coming on late. And it happened, man. They came on late, ran out of time, like you said. But man, that Nebraska versus Colorado game, another disappointing outing for nebraska the corn huskers rule ruin the day with bad offense once again losing 36 to 14 to these prime time buffs defense did what they could but when your offense is giving the ball away like candy on halloween what can you do sims needs ball control like you did in your 20s Another better luck next year, Nebraska, same shit, different day, new rule, same shitty results.
0: Yeah, man, if you look at these stats for Sims, 9 of 15 for 60% completion percentage, 106 yards, zero TDs and one. But the turnovers, man, he had his fourth interception of the year, two fumbles on Saturday. He gives more balls away than we're going to have to start calling him Caitlyn Jenner. You got to blow up that offense, man. Use Sims strictly as like a running quarterback. Do options. Do the wildcat. Put him out wide. Do double passes. The second quarterback comes in the game, let him be the passing quarterback. Heinrich Harboil. My goodness, that guy sounds like he's Hitler's right hand man. I kind of feel evil just saying his name, but he needs to be the one throwing the ball, right? Bombs over England or some bullshit, we can call it. Use that Nazi motherfucker to throw the ball. I love Nebraska. I love their fan base. I love Matt Rule, but yo, man, he's doing y'all dirty. He's playing in the mud. I bet Rule is the type of guy to fuck another guy in the ass without even having the common courtesy to give him a reach around. Had to take that reference because I love it. On the other hand, dude, those buffs, I'm so glad I stuck with my gut there, man. Colorado, on my prediction, I had them. I said it was going to be big. It was big. These guys are balling out, but the names they are beating aren't so great. I mean, Nebraska has a household name just because of the years that they put in in the early 2000s, what they did. And TCU just had the name from last year. I don't think they're going to be that good. Only time will tell. Maybe it'll show that the Buffs are better than they are. I do love watching them. Man, my guy, Sador Sanders, 69 of 89 for a 77.5 completion percentage, 903 yards, six touchdowns and no interceptions. That's his stats for the year. That's insane. Then you go along and you have Travis Hunter, the two-way sensation. You haven't seen someone like him since Charles Woodson. Daylon Edwards, one rushing TD, three receiving TDs on this. These guys are just fun to watch, man. Prime knows how to prime, baby. And he's priming all over the place, man. They need to give him a paint commercial or something. It's going to be fun watching them the rest of the season. But I think the fairy tale stops after CSU next weekend. Entering the pack done, going to Oregon, playing there in Eugene, then USC comes to town. I mean, that might be Heisman on Heisman candidates right there. That might be a big game. I mean, if they can go in and upset Oregon, then and Prime earns his spot in college football history. Even though he's already there, he earns it as a coach, right? I love the man. I love Prime. Yeah, yeah, I love. I love all that shit, man. Showboat all the all the fuck you want. I love it. Some people hate it, but man, if it's working, it's working. You want that publicity? You want those recruits? Keep it on going, man.
1: I mean, yeah. Why would you not want to play with for him, man? He's all about discipline, but he's also about having fun. He hits everything, man. Like, he, if he stays at Colorado, they're going to be a monster. doesn't matter where he goes, he can turn the team into a monster. He's that kind of guy.
0: Hits everything minus the circulation. <laughs> That's fair. All right, let's move on. We had a
1: Big Ten team in Wisconsin travel out to Washington State. Wisconsin traveled out to Mel Tucker. I mean, Pullman. Uh, sorry. <laughs> a little confused there for a minute. But anyways, the Badgers, they showed up. For these Cougars, Whiskey, Dick, and Delinquent got started off slow. They were able to make a comeback on the Cougars, but just like Mel Tucker, they pulled away in the end. Got the W in this battle for the Dubs, winning the game 31-22, to Cougs.
0: Yeah, there's not a whole lot of stats to give in this game because they're kind of pedestrian. Some good numbers, but nothing great. They went into a hostile environment. Thought they could go in that hostile environment and pull out the W no matter how they played because I thought Washington State was probably just bad enough that they could do it sloppily and win. But Wisconsin lost. I mean, the pack done, getting it done right now. I mean, they bring on a new reference to that name. They're getting it done. The power players at the top are looking mighty good right now. But for Wisconsin, when you start off 24-6, to 6, it's hard to come back especially in Pullman Mel Tucker land look at it look at the setup at least Pullman has not had a non conference power five opponent in town since 1998. By the way, I have more 98 references.
1: Yeah, man. Disappointing for Luke Fickle in his first road game, first big game. But I think they'll bounce back. He's a new coach. He's in his second game. Gotta give some time to kind of figure things out. But let's talk about Iowa versus Iowa State. It was a Cy Hawk Saturday night in this 70th meeting between the Hawkeyes and the Cyclones. The Hawkeyes take the trophy. Back to Iowa City after taking aim at the Cyclones and Ames. Hawkeyes win 20-13. to Brian, again, comes up short of his quest of 25 points per game. But you know what? It's okay. His mama loves him. His dad, too. It's going to be okay. He could kick a midget, and drown a nun, and his mom would be all, Brian, I'm so proud of you. He tried so hard kicking that midget. That's the treatment that Brian gets in Iowa, so it's okay. He doesn't need to get that 20.
0: Man, they even had help from the D again with that pick six. 22 points per game. So now we're going to be the third game in, averaging 22 points a game. In order to overcome that, they're going to need 31 points on their next game to get them back on pace. But hey, there's a lot to be happy about. Kirk Ferentz, 200 career wins, even if his son did kick a midget. They are scoring points, too. I mean, they look like a halfway manageable offense. Kate McNamara is very pedestrian for the season, but because it's Iowa's offense, I'll still give you the stats, even though it's pedestrian. 29 of 52 for a 55.8 completion percentage, 314 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. My goodness, if they had that last year in the first two games of the season, they'd be shitting themselves. Their leading receiver is very Iowa-esque, Luke Lachey. The tight end leads the receiver's room 100 yards for the season, zero touchdowns. Purdue drowns
1: Virginia Tech 24-17 to in this long, rain-delayed game in Blacksburg. Ryan Walters gets his first win as a head coach and the first win for Purdue this season.
0: Yeah, man, you got to give it to Ryan Walters. If you get a team sitting on their butts for damn near six hours and they still come away with the win, that speaks volume to the team leadership and to the control they have in the locker room, man. Just think about it, you know, as a high-end athlete like that, sitting there for six hours, you've been all juiced up, ready to roll. All your endorphins are like out the window now. Now you're cramping up. Now you're getting all, and, and you're wet from playing in the rain. They had to change their uniforms or something. They're their way teams, so who knows what they had back there in the locker room. But And Blacksburg is not an easy place to play. That's another hostile environment. If you haven't looked up Enter Sandman, it's fucking awesome. You should do it right now. After the podcast, of course. I mean, Hudson Carr had a great game. 238 yards and a rushing TD. It's no Sador Sanders or Caleb Williams. A man is putting up good numbers. Last week, it was like around 250-ish in the loss to Fresno State. So, This is a team you got to watch out for. They're going to be dangerous. That Rossade Stadium is a cool place to play at night if they get a big team there too. So, just something to keep an eye on. That's a. It's still a good team, a lot like Illinois. It's a good team. They're going to win some games, and they might win some that they shouldn't.
1: Yeah, that definitely is a a great place to play. Great environment. Man, let's talk about those cupcakes. Crappy ass, fucking leftover, stale ass cupcake game. But you know, Brett Billima, he'd still eat them just the same. So we'll break down some of those scores. Ohio State beats Youngstown 35 to 7. Obvious low score.
0: I got to go quick on that, man. That's an FCS school. That speaks volumes of what's going on with their offense. You got to put up more points. Other people are, you know, you want to put up 50. 60 points against a school like that. That looks terrible.
1: Oh, completely agree. Indiana dominates Indiana State. Go figure. 41 to 7.
0: And that Penn State big win over Delaware, that 63-7, that's kind of the score I was looking for out of Ohio State. Penn State looking good, man, with their Ohio boy back there at quarterback, Drew Aller. Well, Michigan took the bet to UNLV winning a 35-7 to game. Yeah, and Northwestern, I was put on the line to call this and man, I called it right. I thought that this is their one chance to win a game against UTEP. And they did it, man. They did it in blowout fashion, 38-7. to So congrats, Northwestern. Get to those showers, boys.
1: <laughs> Might be their only win this season, like you said. But Maryland, Maryland struggles with Charlotte pulling out a 38 to 20 win. They were down 14 to three, kind of a slow start. Obviously they figured it out, but still it's a bad, ugly kind of win against the team.
0: Maybe that Nebraska fan was right. They do want Maryland instead of Rutgers. Rutgers is actually looking (laughs) halfway decent. Well, Minnesota grounded the Eagles of Eastern Michigan 25 to
2: six.
1: Yeah, and Rutgers take down Temple, thirty-six to seven. But Michigan State smash the spiders of Richmond, forty-five to fourteen. Speaking about spiders, see that shit Mel got caught up in? You see the spiderwebs he found?
0: Break out the tube socks and paper towels, or whatever the hell you use for phone sex. And join Mel Tucker. At the worst cock-stroking madness since Pee Wee Herman in the theater. Yeah, this dude's a fucking idiot. If
1: you guys haven't seen what happened, go look it up. This man was rubbing his fucking cock, speaking to a woman on the phone. Like, what in the fuck is he doing?
0: Yeah, and it's not just anyone. My 1998 reference comes back to this chick. This chick he met at Michigan State because she was speaking to students On sexual harassment. In 1998, she was gang raped by a football team. Now, I don't know the details of it. I don't know what team it was or anything like that, but that's why she's there. Now she speaks for it. She's a motivational speaker. She's trying to give awareness to this type of stuff. How the fuck does this situation unfold?
1: Rubbing his fucking dick off to a sexual assault response person. Like, what in the world is that, man? The Dude's a fucking idiot. You thought he was a bad coach. You thought he couldn't recruit. He's an even worse human being.
0: Man, this speaks conspiracy theory to me. I mean, it's just too set up. The dominoes are falling. He's getting paid $10 million a year. And he's a terrible coach. The team is terrible. He had one good year off the backs of a great running back. And now it's falling apart. So is someone paying this chick, maybe she's a bombshell, paying this chick to go, hey, get him on record doing some nasty shit so that we can get rid of him. Do you think it would go that far?
1: No, I just think he's a douchebag, man. I don't think there's conspiracy behind it. He's just your average fucking dude out there doing dirty shit. I think he just got caught up in his own shit.
0: How the fuck does that not scream red flags like in your head? How can you be like, yo, I'm going to go hit on this bitch that's been gang raped by a football team. And I'm going to ask her to do sex. How does
2: that happen? How, know, how does that uh,
0: How does that neural connection go? Boom. I want to do this. Is it like one of those things that like, I can't do it. So I got to. Is it like Maybe. a fiend? Is he like sex fiending? Is he like in the McDonald's parking lot jerking off, like going through the line? Like, oh, I don't get big right here in my hand, man. I don't need it. I got it.
1: There's some creepy ass motherfucking dudes out there, man. That's all I'll fucking say. He's one of them.
0: And speaking about stroking cocks, let's bring in Seattle Matt to Stroke the Phoenix. And by the Penix, I mean Michael Penix and the Huskies. They've been hot, man. Talk them up. Stroke that ego. Stroke the Penix, baby. Let's see what you got, man.
2: Yes, they have been. And thank you, B. In a preview of a future Big Ten Conference matchup, the Washington Huskies are going to East Lansing to take on a reeling program in Michigan State. This is a tough first game for interim head coach Harlan Barrett as the number eight Huskies come into East Lansing with one of the hottest offenses in the country, led on the heels of of Heisman candidate Michael Penix Jr., who is completing 73% of his passes for 859 yards, eight touchdowns, and only one interception over the first two games. He is leading the, probably the second best wide receiver in tandem in the country with Roma Duze with 14 catches, 239 yards, two receiving touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. And Jalen McMillan, 16 catches, 215 yards, three receiving touchdowns and a rushing touchdown as well. On top of that, we have three other rushing touchdowns from three different players. It seems like everybody on Washington's offense is finding the end zone this year. They are doing this on top of the fact that their defense has been stingy against two decent opponents, Boise State and Tulsa, only giving up 19 in the first game, 10 in the second game. So they're going up at least group of five competition. They're handling their business. This is a high power offense that has shown that they can put up a ton of points and the defense is showing that they can hold steady. This is an offense That will travel throughout the Pac 12. It will hang with USC. It will hang with Oregon. And that Oregon matchup is three games away. So, if Washington can take care of business against Michigan State, Cal, and Arizona, we could be looking at a top five team in the Huskies when they welcome the Oregon Ducks to Seattle on October 14th. I see Washington continuing to put up points. I see them dominating teams. I see them getting out early, defense holding in. I think this is a huge win in East Lansing and we could be looking at a top 5 program come early October. All right, so Jamie, the pac done had their big opportunity this weekend.
1: Let's talk about how that went down. How are we doing, Jamie?
3: Hey, we doing good and honestly, I think the Pac-12 showed up this weekend. You know, we had a couple of letdowns, but uh, I'm sure we're going to be getting into that.
1: Yes, sir. You know it. Yeah, so how do you feel overall they did this weekend as a whole as a conference?
3: Overall, I'm pleased. Pac-12 looked tough. They looked dominant. They went up against Power 5 teams. And honestly, no embarrassing losses. You know, some tight games that maybe not, you know, should have been tight. But, you know, we, we pulled out some good victories and pulled out some close losses to some good opponents. So, overall... I'd give it a B plus. I think the cream of the crop, kind of your big guys,
1: definitely took care of business. On the lower end, they had some tough games that they almost pulled through. So I'm right there with you. Let's get yeah. into Colorado versus Nebraska. Prime time had these buffs up and ready for another game. What's your thought on these prime buffs dismantling Nebraska?
3: Yeah, no, prime showed up. It made me look like a fool with my prediction. Each time I vote against him, man, he comes and delivers. So, you know, Colorado showed up. I felt, you know, the first, first half, you know, even the first quarter was 0-0 at halftime 13-0 and through that Colorado really came out they came out slinging Nebraska was on the ropes and you know they just got into some trouble there Jeff Sims did him no favors man he was a turnover machine with those two fumbles and an interception Sanders though he's got to be you know in the Heisman running and keeping his name relevant that 393 yards two touchdowns no interceptions no he's a, he's a baller and he's showing why he belongs in, in a power five program oh he
1: definitely should be Heisman running he keeps these numbers up and these wins up he's He's taking home that trophy. The name's too big and he's playing. But let's talk about your Ducks, man. Let's talk about Oregon. They cover the spread here in a closing minute. How'd you feel about Dan's Ducks in Texas?
3: Not the win I thought they'd get as far as the spread goes. I thought they were going to go even higher on that. Not the way I thought they'd pull it out. It's hard to be disappointed in a win. And I'm I'm definitely not disappointed. I saw some strengths there, but it definitely exposed some of our weaknesses. I think Dan Lanning, is a great coach and he's collected a great staff around him he's gonna be able to exploit those weaknesses and make them better and this is honestly is the time to do it you're able to pull off a nail bite win against a decent opponent and you got to do it before you started your conference play against some of the best teams in the nation that are coming up and so work out some of those kinks and you know make yourself that much stronger I think that's what they did you know Oregon on one side they had zero turnovers on another side they had 14 penalties for 124 yards so you know definitely things to work on there I think Bo Nick did his thing and it was a good good time for him to be tested having to make a comeback win and that's going to show you know that's going to come up clutch for later on you know in the season when they've actually had their back against the wall this isn't going to be the only time they're in this situation this year so it's a good test
1: man there's a lot of great quarterbacks out there you Owers did his thing bo nix is doing his thing i mean there's so many good quarterbacks is bo nix still in the running for the heisman
3: i don't see how you can count them out you know, he pulled off a win on the road. He's playing good ball. He's yet to throw an interception. Shit, I just jinxed that. Well, he's he's balling out and he's got... The schedule to make a Heisman, if you can get through that schedule and play at a high level, same goes, you know, Caleb Williams already cemented his name, but Sanders, Bo Nix, Penix Jr., they're all playing each other, man, and they're going to be able to put it on later. So I don't think the Heisman's been decided yet.
1: Oh, absolutely. Definitely not decided. It's only two weeks into this football season. There was another Pac-12 team playing in Texas. We had Utah versus Baylor. Utah comes back late in this snooze thriller. What went right? What went wrong? For the Utes,
3: yeah, no, we've been talking about some perennial All American quarterback play. Well, you found yourself a team that's missing their star. They're missing their quarterback. Uh, They they had a slow start. They were able to survive, and and that's kind of the theme, you know, amongst you know the Utah Baylor, the Oregon Texas Tech, is that they survived and they get to keep moving forward in their chase for a championship. I believe Utah's there. They got the defense. They played against a team that they should have beat, especially after Baylor's embarrassing loss. But they traveled on the road against a Power 5 opponent that, you know, is soon going to be one of their uh conference opponents starting next year. But they went on the road, they got a W, slow start. Once Cam Rising gets back, I think they work out those kinks and, you know, bring it all together. And they're going to continue to be a playoff, hoping for a championship team. Maybe that pass interference gets called, maybe they don't win, but that's a story for another day.
2: I guess the
1: what-ifs don't really matter. The game's in the books. So Washington State, they had a huge game. The Cougs drowns down the whiskernated badgers. This win was huge for Washington State. Coach Dickers stated after the game that Washington State belongs in the Power 5. Educate me on these Cougs,
3: James. Yeah. No, the the Coogs play with pride. You know, they're they're kind of in a realm. You you look at Oregon State, you look at Washington State. Utah is a s- amazing example of what Washington State, Oregon State can be based off the style of recruits they get. I believe Washington State is a Power 5 football team and they deserve to be there. That's probably the saddest part about this whole thing is that, sure, everybody else found their date to the dance except for these two, these two faithful people right here. And now now they're getting hung out to dry. Washington State deserves a shot. They proved it this week and they continue to prove it when they play these tough divisional games, these tough Power 5 games. They're a good team who's got a lot of heart. Yeah, that's
1: fair. The next few games we're going to talk about, this is where the Pac done started sliding down the pole like a stripper, man. This is where it kind of started getting ugly for the Pac-12. They looked really good up until these games. But yeah, what happened with Arizona State and, Oklahoma? State and Oklahoma?
3: Arizona State, Oklahoma, that was the biggest loss the Pac-12 showed. I picked Arizona State going into this. It was my coin flip game that could have went either way. It was a close game you know, throughout the first half, 15 to 10. But you want to look at what went wrong? They turned it over on down three times in the second half, you know, and their longest drive was 37 yards in the second half. You look at that, unable to produce on offense and unable to convert those those fourth downs, that's what put them in the grave there. That's what gave them a loss. You know, until they can figure out how to get this freshman quarterback going, how to get this Kenny Dillingham team moving forward, you know, that's where they're going to end up. Overall, not a totally embarrassing loss. They were in it till the very end. And so, yeah, I don't look at it as embarrassment, but it definitely wasn't the best showing for the Pac-12.
1: No, they definitely fell apart in the second half. Cal and Auburn, man, really low scoring game. What you got on this?
3: Man, Cal, Auburn, low scoring game, but it was a good game. You know, Cal was in it. You know, they lost by four, but you look at that second half, they missed two field goals and they threw an interception at the 18 yard line of Auburn. They were they were in it. They were close. They had their shots. That game could have went either way. It didn't. I was proud of what Cal put up against Auburn. Two teams that definitely not at the top of their their conferences this year, but they fought hard against each other they're both two Power Five programs, and I thought they did a good job.
1: Yeah, I mean Arizona had a tough road trip. They had to go all the way out to Mississippi State. They couldn't really handle
3: those cowbells, and they got belted the <laughs> back to Tucson. Man, what happened? Hey, everybody needs a little more cowbell. That's a, that's what I heard, you know. And maybe they had a little too much because they were in it. They they fell asleep and then they had to fight their way back. And and hell, they they almost did. They they forced an overtime and they just couldn't get the job done. It's really hard to overcome five turnovers, which is what Arizona did. And to make a overtime game happen on five turnovers, you're looking you're looking pretty good. You got some stuff to work out. Yeah, that's kind of scary. Speaking of scary. This USC
1: defense starting to look like they're figuring out for the Trojans. Break down that defense for me in this USC-Stanford game.
3: Man, (laughs) USC. They're earning their ranking right now, man. I I thought this was going to be a much, much closer game against a conference rival. They were in their second unit starting the second half. Caleb Williams put up, I think it was 49 points in that first half. Mm -mm -mm. But also, you talked about defense three points. This was the time we wanted to see what that USC defense could do. I'm not saying Stanford is an offensive powerhouse this year, but to only allow three points in that first half to Stanford's offense, and you know their first stringers were out there. They didn't get a touchdown until garbage time of the fourth quarter and made it you know 10 points for Stanford. So you know what? I'm going to say it, and I hate to say it, but USC showed up and they showed why they are vying for a national championship year, and they got got the the Heisman front runner to prove it. He put up 281 yards, three touchdowns, passing one on the ground, and that was all in the first half. They're the team to beat in the Pac-12 right now.
1: Yeah, they're contenders, man. There's no doubt about it. Man, thanks again. Love having you on here to help break down these Pac-12 teams, these Pac-12 games. You always give us a little bit more insight, so I appreciate
3: it. Oh, I'm happy to be here, man. I'll keep coming as long as you keep inviting.
1: All right. You know this is your home. You don't even need to invite, man. Don't even ring the bell. Just come on. In, grab a beer out the fridge let's sit down let's watch some football
3: that sounds good to me brother
1: all right man t- until next time thanks again ducks out let's bring out the ball trimmer and trim the landscape week two edition first let me get this beer open Oh man, got me a beer, got me a cigar, sitting back in my chair, just like ewers for Texas. Speaking of that, man, did you see that game? Number eleven Texas, number three Alabama. Texas downs Bama, thirty-four to twenty-four. Nick Saban, roll Tide Nation, gets deep throated by the Longhorn of Texas. Gag reflex was real. Bama couldn't handle it. Couldn't handle that Texas tea. Texas took it hard to Bama. In this back and forth thriller until Bama couldn't handle it anymore. Texas pulls away late to secure the dub in Tuscaloosa Is Texas back.
0: Man, oh man, is it gotta feel good to be a Texas Longhorn fan. Knocking off the king of college football for the last decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah dogs, dogs, dog. But Bama owned it for so much long. Ewers was slinging the rock more than girls slinging cum in a facial compilation on Uport. Listen to these stats. 24 of 38 for 63.2 percentage, 349 yards, three touchdowns, and a big goose egg in the interception column. Man, those are numbers you put up against YSU. But fuck, McCord wasn't doing that. That's awesome. This whole Texas is back, man. They're back. You beat Bama, you're back. All right? The next thing you have to do is just show up at the playoffs, and that's it. This kind of gives me vibes back in 2014 when Ohio State knocked off Bama in the playoffs. I mean, I know it was a playoff, so it's a little bit more escalated. But, man, you start knocking off the Kings of college football. You know you're back. You know you got a chance. You know you're meant to be.
1: Man, there's another good game on. Happens to be the little brother of Texas. Talking AM. They didn't fare too well. They didn't have themselves at Texas. They get dragged by Miami, 48-33. to 33. Telling you, Jimbo is donezo. I'm surprised he didn't make it off the tarmac before getting fired. That boy's job is in jeopardy. Mario Cristobal's canes? They came to play. Looking like another comeback kid edition just like Texas. We might actually get a Miami, Florida State game we've been waiting for for years. I mean, years. I'm here for it, man. I'm ready.
0: Yo, what might happen is he might get the Mel Tucker treatment. They might find some broad to fucking charge up some sexual harassment deals on him and get him out of there before they have to pay the buyout. It's crazy, man. Who would have thought that all these outrageous contracts would backfire? There are guys that nowhere near deserve what they're being paid, but some idiot administrators are like, yep, let's do it. Let's sign on to Hypel for nine million. Let's sign on to Jimbo for nine million. Let's sign on for Matt Rule at Nebraska for nine point two five million. Let's sign on for Ryan Day, nine point two five million a year. Let's sign on to Mel Tucker for nine point five million dollars at Michigan State. All right. It starts getting a little bit better here. Brian Kelly, nine point five million. Riley, ten million. But those are still damn dumb decisions. Like who's gonna pay that much money for someone that's not winning titles? Stupid. Jimbo won one. He's the only one on that list that like maybe you can make an argument for. But then you go into the top three, Dabo, Kirby Smart, and Saban. Those make sense. This defense for Texas A&M was supposed to be world beaters, but they ended up playing like your granny's used douchebag. Tyler Van Dyke, 21 of 30 for 70% completion percentage, 374 yards, zero interceptions, and five tutties. Man, that defense sucks dick. This guy should have been running for his life against those five stars, but you know what? He's out there just throwing dimes all over the field. Full of five stars, man. This is insane. He shouldn't have time. But yeah, Ole Miss... They
1: played Tulane. Really good game. Doesn't really look like it on the scoreboard. Old Miss wins 37 to 20 in the end, but it was definitely a close game. Tulane gave him a battle. Beav, you got this one right. You said Tulane's year was over. Cinderella, the slipper doesn't fit anymore. You were spot on, man.
0: I don't know if it is now, man. I think Old Miss is going to run for the West. You know, maybe Bama's a little bit down. LSU's obviously down. So who's next? Is it Ole Miss? Maybe they get a run in the West End or better. Kiffin is making $9 million a year. He should be winning titles, right? Fuck. Another drastically overpaid coach. These administrators must have a lower IQ than the people talked into working Chernobyl after the power plant when into a nuclear meltdown. So
1: I think you're right there. But it seemed like Notre Dame might have picked up the right coach. Starting to turn things around, it was a little bit questionable last year. Man, they are looking hot. Notre Dame held onto a strong lead pretty much throughout this entire game against NC State. The Wolfpack stayed on the cuff. I'm making this thing interesting. Then boom, Notre Dame blew the doors off. These fighting gingers are looking like contenders, man. They went from B's to double D's. I think they might even got their lips done. Sam Hartman was electric once again. NC State had no answers for him.
0: Yeah, man. Hartman's the real deal. And yeah, they're slinging those big old titties around now. They need new bras, new wardrobes. And they got to be getting on the Buckeye fans' nerves right now. Well, at least the rational Ohio State fans. He was slinging it around against NC State's defense. And they got those huge titties now, man. They're there. Double Ds. Sam Hartman has it to show. 15-24 for a 62.5 completion percentage and 286 yards with four touchdowns and zero interceptions. Let's look at what he's done. All right. 48 of 64, 75% completion percentage, 731 yards and 10 tutties. Now, they had an extra game because they played in week zero. So we'll keep that in mind. But you need to go on. Go on our NIL Fan Vote Facebook page, on our Instagram, NIL Fan Vote. Check out the interviews we had with some of these students at Ohio State. There was a Notre Dame fan in the background while we were interviewing Ohio State fans on High Street in Columbus after the Ohio State game. It's good stuff, man. Also, you know, since you were there up in Wisconsin interviewing Texas fans, this is like Austin North for you. Go check that one out, too. We got good content on there. Sorry to go down the rabbit hole, but you guys got to check that shit out. It's gold. On to the next one, AJ. Yeah, no, I'm going to agree with you for a second. I want to
1: talk about that Notre Dame-Ohio State game. Yeah, it's looking it's looking dangerous for the Buckeyes, man. South Bend is looking like a mountain they're not going to be able to climb. McCord, Brown, they both don't look like the guy. The defenses look solid, but they haven't really played anybody yet. So That one for the Buckeyes, boy, whoo, might not turn out too well.
0: Let's keep it going. Fuck it. Let's talk about this, man. This is good stuff. Let's, let's talk about where, where are they going to be? Where do you have them right now? Do you have in the top five
1: so i don't have them in the top five yet they have to to beat somebody of worth before they move up that high but i think they are going to beat somebody of worth as in ohio state i think they are the team to me i'm a prove it guy you got to prove it to me you don't just don't get it because you look good against bad teams i'm not saying nc state was bad you kind of get where i'm coming
0: okay so where you got texas
1: texas man i think i think you put them georgia michigan florida state and texas right i think that's the group of four right now that would be making the playoffs if the playoffs started tomorrow but obviously it's way early for that. It's only week two, but they they proved it. They've showed it. You got to move. All right, them up.
0: And as of right now, where do you put Texas in that top four? We need to know the listeners need to know where you got Texas, baby, where you got those longhorns.
1: I am going to put Georgia one. I want to keep Michigan two. I'm going to put Texas three and Florida state four.
0: And I'm, I guess I'm more of a prove it man. Texas has proven it to me. Florida state's proven. it. I put Florida state. We kind of together put Florida state on top. So in my personal poll, I got Texas number one, Florida State number two, Michigan. I I think in the beginning of the season, when people prove it, that's where they move the most. And then you start to balance wins and losses versus the people that they've played and and adjust from there as the season goes on. No, that's fair. I definitely projected a bit. Man, did we get down in a rabbit hole. (laughs) Always got to have a good rabbit hole. Hey, let's go on.
1: Let's talk about Oregon. Let's talk about Texas Tech, Utah and Baylor. We'll break down the Baylor game first. It was a slow game, man. It was like someone put the slow motion on Got put to sleep by Utah and Baylor. No real action for a long time in this game. But just like any good porno, the last five minutes is always the best. But Utah gets an interception late, put this game away. And Oregon. Oregon was also in a dogfight. Boy, they had to hold on like Bell Tucker. Holding on to his dick during a phone conference. Oregon had a one-point lead. They grabbed an interception at the end to secure an eight-point lead. Kind of interesting. They would have been under on the score, so this made a lot of betters either happy or mad because that put them over on the over and under. But yeah, like when he got that interception, he should have went down because when he scored, he gave Texas Tech the opportunity to tie things up, and they almost made things interesting. The last play of the game was a pass in the end zone. They didn't catch it, but if they catch that, get a two-point conversion. Who knows what happens? You got to get down, man. Got to get down.
0: get down. I mean, the coaches were yelling for it and everything, and that's what you do, but Vegas had this right, man. I mean, even though they got to the over, I mean, they they lowered that over underscore, which no one would have thought, but a win's a win, baby, for both of them. If you win, you win. It's like banging that 10 but finishing too early and she goes out and tells all your friends about it. Hey, man, at least I did it. I got the win. You know, no big deal. A win's a win. You take it, you move on, and hopefully when you play someone big, you're ready to roll. I mean, it was a dangerous
1: game. They are on the road. They were in Texas. I mean, Utah was on the road. They were in Texas. Like That's never an easy draw. So, you come out with a win, you take it every time, like you said.
0: Uh, yeah, and I, I have a lot of respect for the Utah team. I, I don't know Oregon yet. I gotta see some more out of Oregon before where I can get a real read on them. I, I know our boy Jamie wants to tell us how Bo's going to win the Heisman, but there's way too many candidates out there right now for Bo to even be in the conversation. But
1: yeah, USC, man, their defense finally looked good. They played Stanford. They put it on them. They drummed them on offense, drugged them on defense. Caleb Williams... Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams. telling you, man, these guys are ready. They're ready for their Pac-12 run. This USC team's looking damn good.
0: Yeah, that Stanford band play was against Cal, right? Yes, sir. Stanford has fallen so far, they may never play real football again. What benefit do they bring to the ACC in combination with Cal? I think these teams are just going to go out there and run their bands into each other and call it football from now on. What is it? Is it that USC's defense is that good and getting better? Or is it that Stanford's just that god-awful? I think it's Stanford, but whatever storyline you want to tell me.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. You never know. But at least they didn't give up points to a bad team. So they did what they're supposed to do, whether that's a good or bad offense. That's true. It's kind of irrelevant. That's
0: true. I'm with you. But we just need to see more. I mean, it's one of those wait-and-sees approach with USC. And if history repeats itself, it's just USC's defense is terrible. That's it. Point point blank. I,
1: I agree with that. Another great game that we kind of had circled was NC State and Appalachian State. Just like last year, man, another great game, goes into overtime, couldn't quite pull it out against the heels, but Appalachian State is a dangerous team. They're always right there, man. They either upset somebody or they come damn close. North Carolina survives, and they're looking like another ACC team poised to challenge Duke, Florida State, and Miami for this conference. Crazy that you don't get to say Clemson in this group.
0: Hey, look, Mac Brown didn't have to choke a bitch again, so life is good, right? <laughs> got the win. And that's all that matters. I yeah. mean, Appalachian State's
1: Mel Tucker did all the choking that anybody needs this past week.
0: Oh, man. Rip up that contract. That boy is done. But hey, the, you know what? They got the win. They did what it took. Just like the other thing. A W is a W. Appalachian State's a good team and they've been knocking off people since the early 2000s. So let's let's give Appalachian State their credit. It's a great, great storyline. Something awesome for college football for them to be good. That stadium beating Michigan built for them out there in Boone is great. It's an awesome storyline. I mean, we need more of that. We need more parity in college football. And I think we're getting some conference parity as we speak, right? We are. There's a lot of
1: parity in the ACC. It's been a long time since we've seen parity in the ACC. Hell yeah. Bring it, man.
0: Duke looks like they're ready. Miami's
1: looking good. Florida State took down lsu anytime we can get parody it's more interesting let's watch the race it looks
0: like we're getting parody all across the college football board man in the big 12 everyone's they're ready to go against each other And the pack done everyone's there i mean there's so many people that are in line to win in the big 10 it looks like it's michigan i mean michigan maybe penn state maybe that's where the parody comes in penn state wins one for once
1: yeah, I mean you still got the big three there. Ohio State's looking like the last of those big three. Definitely some parody there. The SEC's not looking like the juggernaut they used to be. It's hard to say what conference is the best conference right now. Like there's like you said, just parody everywhere.
0: I mean, this is the time that we see the those conference on conference matchups until the bowl games, right? We have to make our judgments now. Once they get into, you know, another week, then they're gonna be all in conference play. So we're not gonna see any of these matchups. So Right now is how we compare the conferences against each other. We got to take a look at it. Who's your best conference right now?
1: Man, you're saying top to bottom? Top to
2: bottom. Man,
1: still going to stick with the Pac-12. I think they're the the thickest. They're bringing that girth this year. Now, I don't know if their cream of the crop is as good as the SEC's, but as far as... Uh, as many teams that are competitive, I think they're they're right there with the SEC.
0: I mean, with the exception of Georgia, I don't know there is the cream of the crop in the SEC. Who who are who are you saying is the cream of the crop? I mean, Alabama just lost to Texas. LSU just lost to an
1: ACC. Well, Georgia to me is the cream of the yeah. crop. They're the they're that one team. Like I don't know if anybody in the Pac-12 is as good as Georgia. Touche. That's all I mean. But as far as a whole as a conference, I think the Pac-12 is better right now.
0: So which conference would you say is choking their chicken like mel tucker <laughs> the big 10
1: i think seems like every time they travel outside of the midwest lately that they get embarrassed i mean look at wisconsin i mean i guess you got purdue getting a win but illinois gets smacked around by kids i think the big Ten's looking not so big yeah right we now.
0: got michigan state and washington coming so kind of seems like that's going to be a shit show too huh
1: yeah it's going to be another uh you might be hearing this don't and-
0: forget about that northwestern utep big 10 got that <laughs> Mighty. Match. I don't even know what conference UTEP's in, to be honest with you. <laughs> don't think it matters. All right, boy. Well, you heard it first. He said, "Pack done. It's the number one conference. The Big Ten is choking its chicken. Just sitting on that, jerking off to some lady on the phone.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially if Ohio State drops one to Notre Dame, like they got no out of conference win to say, hey, look at me. They, they don't have nothing. Yeah, that's the only. They don't left. have a lot
0: of people playing any out of conference teams that are worth a damn. I mean, who's Penn State playing no one out of conference? Michigan, no one at a conference. Iowa, no one other than Iowa State, which doesn't count.
1: Yeah, they finished last in the Big 12. I mean, Penn State did beat West Virginia, but they finished second to last in the Big 12. So, like, the good teams are beating up on the bad teams. So, you can't brag about and
0: that. And that's what sucks about this. We have no sample size.
1: It is only week two. We'll get some more sample sizes, but, you know, these out of comfort games, there's not too many of them left. We only got a couple more weeks of it. But maybe in two more weeks, we'll really get an idea of who the, the best comes.
0: Well, our balls
1: are all trimmed. We're looking all clean. Time to get out of here and do a little Mel Tucker time.
0: Big 10 backers are out. God bless you. <laughs> Big Ten Backers Podcast. Follow our sponsors at NIL Fanboat on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Also visit the website
2: nilfanboat.com. Oh, no Midwest goodbye today. Yeah.